Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As you're turning there, and as I'm turning there, add my welcome and appreciate you all being here this morning. It's been an encouraging time up to this point. I hope it will continue to be. It's good to meet new people and to to talk about the shared faith that we have. And it's always such an encouraging thing to have visitors here and uh, to get to know them a little bit. Uh, Appreciate people who um, make plans in their vacations to come and to gather together with the saints. And it's such an encouraging thing. We see that a lot here, uh, being in a vacation spot. Um, But it's always an encouraging thing, and we appreciate that very much. And thank, thank you to all to our members who are here as well. I don't want to overlook you. It's good to be amongst the brethren here this morning. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 23, it says, Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus with a love incorruptible. This morning I want to talk about the very end of verse 24, where Paul talks about this incorruptible love. I'll start by talking about it this way. When we talk about how it is that we are to love the Lord. Well, as we just saw there in verse 24 from Ephesians 6, Paul says that we are to love the Lord with an incorruptible love. It says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love, or a love incorruptible. What does that mean? Well, we can do some defining of terms here, and this will help us in understanding what it means to have an incorruptible love. Incorruptible means that it's incapable of corruption. So you've got to know what corruption means, and then you can figure out what incorruptible means. We know what corruption means. As not a subject to decay or dissolution, or incapable of being bribed or morally corrupted. So when we talk about something that's incorruptible, this is what we mean. It's not subject to degradation. It's not able to be bribed or morally corrupted. You can't corrupt it. So this is how we are to love the Lord. Now, that's a pretty high standard. If we talk about not having our love be changed or being corrupted, that's a pretty high standard because we think about all the things in the world that can corrupt us. Paul says that we are to have an incorruptible love, but that's a high standard. So incorruptible is really a term that's more applicable to God than to us. If we're going to think about something that can't be corrupted, can't be bribed, can't be morally degraded, that sounds like God, doesn't it? And in fact, that's exactly what Paul says in the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 1. If we want to see how Scripture uses these terms and how it applies the word incorruptible, we go to a passage like Romans 1. Beginning of verse 21, it says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, 
But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the, listen, incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and of crawling creatures. So right here in this verse, we have uh, incorruptible God, which we understand and, and, and would not serve any other kind of God. And we have corruptible man. That agent that is able to be corrupted, that is able to be morally swayed. So an incorruptible is a term we more closely associate with God than we do with us, don't it? Yet Paul says we are to have that incorruptible love. God is described as incorruptible while just the opposite is ascribed to man. That is corruptible. We know God can't be changed. We know God is incorruptible. We know he's pure. We know he's the righteous judge. We know all those things about the God that we serve. Sadly, we know that we know that about men, too, the opposite, that we can be corrupted, that we can be swayed. So it means that we are subject to decay, using the terminology that we first started with, that we are capable of being bribed or morally corrupted. That's within us. It's not within God. But it is indeed within us. So that's a pretty high standard of love that we are held to. So then we come to the question then, what naturally follows is, how can we indeed love incorruptibly? If we have uh, this corruptibility all around us. How is it that we can love incorruptibly? And the answer lies in examining how it is that the Lord loves us. If we can look and see an incorruptible God, and how He loves, then we can pattern our love after that, can't we? Then our love is incorruptible because we're patterning it, patterning it after the love that God has for us. John 15 and verse 9, Jesus says, Just as the Father has loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. So this starts us thinking and understanding about love, doesn't it? We look and see how the Father has loved the Son. And we know what a close relationship that is. And Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you in that way. So here again, there's the incorruptible love that's going from the Father to the Son and then to us. And the Father loves us the same way as well. But Jesus is saying, Fathers love me this way, this is how I love you. And he says there, abide in my love. What does that mean to abide in my love? Well, the word abide means to accept or to act in accordance with. And we're acting in, or accepting in accordance with a rule or a decision or a recommendation. So Jesus has said, abide in my love. He's saying, accept it. Act in accordance with it. That's what abide means. So if we're going to abide in his love, we've got to act in that same way. We've got to be in accordance with the way he loves if we want to be pleasing to God. Well, how does, how does God love us? 
I can tell you, and you know, it's an unconditional, beautiful love that God has for us. What does it say in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the kind of love that God has. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son for the entire world. That's the love that he has. Now it's up to us to believe in Jesus Christ. It's up, for us, up to us to believe in Christ as the Son of God, as we studied this morning in our, our class on Peter. That good confession that Peter made. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. That's how we respond to the love that God has given to the world. That's how we begin to show our love back to Him, is to believe in His Son. Romans 8. Let's go there. You should be in Romans 1. Turn over to chapter 8 of Romans. We're talking about a love that God has. First, we understand that God loved the, the Son, and the, and the Son loves us. We know that God gave His Son to save man from his sins. And the love that God has, he, it'll never be taken away. Nothing can separate us from the, from the love of God. Paul says this in Romans 8, beginning in verse 35. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as, as, as it is written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things we overcome overwhelmingly. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that say? It says nothing can come between us and the love of God. That's the kind of love that God has. Nothing can separate us from it. Only our disbelief in him will separate us from his love. So we are to love then as God loves. We've established our term, terminology here and understand that God's love is incorruptible and this is the kind of love he wants us to have for him and that nothing can separate that love between us. And we are to love the way that God loves. We read there from John 15 and verse 9, where it says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you also. Abide in my love. Look what verse 10 says. It says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we can start to understand that if we want to abide in the love of God, we got to keep his commandments. So understanding how we are to love we need to understand that God's love requires obedience. It's not just enough to say, I love God. We've got to be obedient to what he says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Jesus said, if you do what I say, 
then you are indeed abiding in my love. And not only that, but look what he says. He gives us the example. He says, I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So it's not that Jesus is just saying, do this. He's saying, look, this is what I do. I abide in the Father's love. You abide in my love. So often we see with God, it's not just words on a page, it's examples. Jesus Christ is that ultimate example. Look at the love that he had for us and understand that he was keeping his Father's commandments. So if we want to abide in the Father's love, we've got to keep the commandments of Christ. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. The closer rendering of the old Hebrew language would say, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. The whole, H-W-H-O-L-E. The entirety of man. This is our purpose in life. This is why we're here. We're here to fear God and keep his commandments. This is what it is that we are put here to do. Now we have the options and choices that many in the world don't do what God says. But God makes it clear that this is, as his children, this is what we're here to do. Fear him, keep his commandments. This is our whole duty in this world. Look over in Matthew chapter 22. Another familiar passage. Matthew 22. We remember this, don't we? Beginning verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together, and one of them said, uh, a lawyer asked the question, testing him. So, hope there's no lawyers in the audience. We've all had run-ins with lawyers. They know the language, don't they? They know the law. We see this over and over. Not just lawyers, but others trying to trip the Lord up, trying to, get, to catch him in something that will be uh, misconstrued, misunderstood. So they say, they got him now. Teacher, verse 36, what is the great commandment? Uh, you know, they've got him, right? Look what our Lord says in verse 37. You shall love the Lord with all your God, uh, with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Don't you love it when things are so simple? What's the great commandment? Love God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the kind of love that we need to have. A fully encompassing love. I think it's Luke's account that adds the word strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that we are. That's the kind of love that we dedicate to God. And understand this, that we have that kind of love to God, but we also have to have that kind of love to each other. That's how we demonstrate our love of God, is the way in which we love each other. Because we know in the next verse, from there in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law 
and the prophets. Not only are we to love God, Jesus says the second command is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So the same kind of love that we are to have for God, an incorruptible love with all our heart and our soul and our mind, we've got to have that same love towards our neighbor. And that's the tricky part, isn't it? That's the hard one, isn't it? It's easy to love God because he's incorruptible. He doesn't let you down. He doesn't talk behind your back. He doesn't tear you down. Men and women can do that to each other. But we're to strive not to. We're to strive to have the same kind of love that he has for us towards each other. So how do we do that? We've set some pretty high standards here. We've set the bar pretty high. Let's talk about a few things that help us to achieve that. Much like we keep the Lord's commandments to love uh, the love of our neighbors is closely related to obedience. So Jesus said, I love the Father and abide in his love because I kept his commandments. He expects the same of us. If we're going to love our neighbor, it's still rooted in our obedience. Helping to understand that this is what we do. In Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus says, I require that you show mercy and not sacrifice. You know, the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes, they, they got so caught up in, in the law and they were, they were tithing their, their spices. Remember, they were giving a tenth of their spices, setting aside that for God. That's how far they had taken the law, way too far. And Jesus reminds them in, in this and other places in his teachings about, it's not about that, it's about mercy. Yes, we have to follow the letter of the law. But we don't lose sight of what that all means, and that's the love of God and the love of each other. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another, in brotherly love, giving honor and preference to one another. Honor and preference. Brotherly love. In Romans 13, and verse 8, owe, to, to, owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love the brethren, right? This is what we're held to. In 1 John 3 and verse 23, this is the commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. So how do we do it? How do we go about loving each other with an incorruptible love? It's rooted in our obedience. Love one another just as He commanded us. What did Jesus say about him abiding in his Father's love because he kept his commandments? We show love for each other by keeping the commandments of God. And in those commandments, he tells us to love one another. It's a nice circle, isn't it? If we're abiding in God, that means we're accepting and going along with, we're in accordance with his love. And in his law, he tells us to love one another. So now we get to understand what it means to love incorruptibly. Because we're being obedient to God, and he has told us to do that. One thing to understand is that we can never attain the same love for God that he has for us. 
But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that we should just use that, as a, use that as an excuse. I can never love the way God loves me, so it's okay that I fill in the blank. That's not it. That's not abiding in God's love. Because God says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if we call ourselves a child of God and want to abide in his love, that means we've got to love one another. And the love that we have should be incorruptible. That it's not subject to decay. That it's not subject to moral bankruptcy. That we can't be swayed by the corruption in the world. That's the kind of love that we need to have for each other. So the final question we can ask ourselves is, is your love of God and of others incorruptible? That's a worthy goal, isn't it? That's a worthy goal. Think about what we read there in Romans chapter 1, verse 23. That God is incorruptible. So if we want to pattern the love that we have for him and for each other, what better way than to look at the love that he has for us? So I'll challenge you and me to love incorruptibly. To see that great example that we have in our Lord. That he abided in the Father's love and kept his commandments. So let's do the same. If you're not a child of God, I encourage you to become one. So that you can share in all the blessings that go along with being a member of the family of God. If as a child of God you're not loving incorruptibly as you should, I would encourage you to make that right. To do what you need to do in your own life. To make sure that you're loving each other the way God loves us. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.